Hello and welcome on into another episode of Backlash. My name is Mitchell Smedley and you are listening to the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR, once again. Well, I'd love to say great to be back, but uh, if you've looked at the state of the Philadelphia Eagles at this current moment in time, you would know that it is anything but a pleasurable experience to be talking about those birds. But we're going to do what I got you for the next hour here on KUR. Thank you for joining me. We're going to get into all things Philly sports. We got some Eagles, got some Flyers on the docket. A couple Phillies rumors to get into a little bit as well. Here we go. Let's get into it. Let's cut right to the bone. Don't want to beat around the bush any longer. The Philadelphia Eagles are absolute trash. And I came on uh, my last show and I tried to be calm about it. I tried to even even give a little bit of optimism throughout the weeks to my friends and, and family around over the holidays, but the Eagles have a way of ruining all good things. They made us sweat it out against the Giants on Christmas. And um, what did they do New Year's Eve day? Well, they went out and they lost 35-31 to 31 to the Arizona Cardinals. What a disgrace of a football team. What a disgrace of a football game that was. I'm not even quite sure where to begin with this one. I guess I'll go back to my old reliable. Where do I always start off with? Jay Lynn Hurts. Absolutely disgusting performance. I want to read you a stat here at the top. 167 passing yards and 25 rushing yards against the Arizona Cardinals. A terrible defense. This defense is not good. And Jalen Hurts musters 167 passing yards. The rushing yards I'm not so concerned with. I've been saying let it let it be for the running backs to handle the ground game for weeks now. I've been on that train with this coaching staff, but 167 passing yards when he has no shortage of weapons. I mean, you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. You know the names. And it was another week where the check down was not utilized, where they kept trying to go deep until it actually mattered, the final drive, uh, when they did just check it down for three, maybe five yards each play, which got you nowhere. And maybe you wouldn't have to attempt a Hail Mary. You could do a more intermediate pass to try and win the game on the final play. The Eagles do come up short, though. They had the ball uh, with a few seconds left, but at that point with no timeouts, down four, they needed a touchdown. They did come up short. Highlight of the game, Sidney Brown with a 99-yard pick six. That was incredible. And that, at the time, put the Eagles up. Uh, I believe that was 14-3. to The Eagles would go on to be leading 21-6. to at halftime up to or I'm sorry not at halftime they would be they would go on to be leading 21 to 6 in the second quarter uh or at some point in the game I believe it was the halftime score of 14 to 6 don't quote me on that one somewhere around there they were up two scores in the middle of this game 15 points at one point and they proceeded to get outscored 29 to 10 by a subpar team coached by Jonathan Gannon what an insulting loss this tops off this gauntlet of Eagles play that we've been watching, not in terms of tough opponents, but in terms of if you're a fan, how awful and excruciating it's been uh, getting blitzed by the 49ers, getting blitzed by just the atrocious Dallas Cowboys, uh, and then losing a heartbreaker to the Seattle Seahawks, barely getting by against those lowly Giants. And here it is, a loss taking you out of first place in the NFC East to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to have to keep saying it before I can actually believe it. Jalen Hurts is 167 passing yards. I guess I got to start with him. What a disgusting, disgusting performance by your uh, supposed 
amazing quarterback that's worth $250. I'm sorry, 250. Yeah, that's more so what he's worth. $250 million. I've never seen that price tag is worth it. I've never seen that price tag is good. I thought the contract was disgusting. And here's the deal, folks. That contract only gets more expensive toward the back end. We're on the cheaper years of it now. So the talent that you're able to provide for the edges of this roster is going to go down, 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 down as you get into these final four years of the deal. Jalen Hurts is robbing the Philadelphia Eagles. He is robbing the city of Philadelphia. And if you're an Eagles fan, he's robbing you. Ticket prices and uh, merchandise sales, all of this goes toward paying his absurd salary, and he is not putting the talent onto the field that that $250 million price tag demands. I don't quite blame him, though. He just doesn't have the talent. What I blame is the front office for giving him that deal. We're going to see that last year's arm talent that we saw from Jalen Hurts was a fluke, like 2017 was a fluke for Carson Wentz. 2022 will be Jalen Hurts' 2017, and he's regressed in every way possible. He's regressed in his ability to throw the deep ball. He's regressed in his decision-making. He's regressed in his ability to see the whole field. and He's just missing wide-open targets at this point, both with accuracy and just not throwing the ball to them because he doesn't notice them, whether that be under the middle or on the side of the field that isn't his first look. You notice that with Jalen Hurts' eyes. They show him on the replays, and it's one look, and if it's not there, he's ducking and running out of bounds, typically. It's very frustrating. It's not conducive to any sort of success for this football team, and it's it's driving me up the wall and many others. Welcome to the train of hating Jalen Hurts' play this season. It's been awful all of 2023. It's been awful most of his most of his career, quite honestly. Last year, I was willing to accept that he had a good year, and I was I was looking like I was wrong. But certainly things have regressed, and I think this is who Jalen Hurts typically is. It was who he was in 2021, and it was who he was in 2020 and before that. I've never been impressed with his quarterbacking ability. Before I continue on my big, beautiful rant, I do want to tell you to make sure to check out KUR on all sorts of social media. We got TikTok. Uh, we got Twitter. They call it X now, I believe, the kids. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, all sorts of social media you can find KUR. Just search Kutztown University Radio or KUR, and it will show up, and you'll be able to stay informed on all of your favorite KUR hosts, shows, happenings, goings-on. All of it's right there on KUR's social media. We appreciate you. I appreciate you for tuning in. This is Backlash. I am Mitchell Smedley, and I'm losing my mind about the Philadelphia Eagles and, more specifically, Jalen Hurts at this current moment in time. Absolutely atrocious. Can't stand watching him anymore. Get me a real quarterback, and they're not going to because they signed him to a deal that is, uh, I believe, five years long, and we're on year number one. So that's exciting for me. I will be watching him all the way through the next presidential administration, whoever that may be. Very annoying. Very atrocious. Uh, Just the game was riddled, riddled with poor decision-making, poor throws, uh, just lack of execution. And the, the case in point is, it's not just Jalen Hurts that was unable to execute. There were dropped passes. Uh, there was bad coaching decisions, bad play calling. It was all there. The defense couldn't stop anything. They gave up 35 points to the Arizona Cardinals. Five touchdowns to the Arizona Cardinals. That's what makes it even worse is you look at the offensive numbers and you're like, how did they score 31 points? Well, because seven of them came from your defense when Arizona was down in the in the red zone. Well, I think the pass came from outside the red zone, but it was picked off at the one-yard line. And that was a 
hallmark of Arizona's play in the entire first half. They were getting down. They they uh, took sacks. They turned what could have been touchdown drives into field goal drives, and they threw an interception within the red zone. Arizona could have been leading this game at halftime, and they ended up leading at the conclusion of the game, which matters most. And the Eagles were giving up yards all day long. They couldn't stop them in the first quarter, and it continued all the way through the fourth quarter. One specific lack of execution came, though, before I transitioned off of it. Fourth quarter, about three minutes to go. And what does Arizona do after they uh, after they go down and score and tie the game up at 28? They do an onsides kick. And most of us are thinking they just gave the game to the Eagles. Wow, despite all of their efforts, the Eagles couldn't throw this game away, and they're going to run the clock out and, and get a win by likely three points. Well, the Eagles, I believe, got one first down on that drive and then stalled out, giving the Arizona Cardinals all the time in the world to go down and score another touchdown, which they did, by the way, with the Eagles on their possession still trying more of these quarterback draws that didn't work. Surprise, surprise. I've been telling you that for weeks, both on this show and on heavy hitters, which, by the way, stay tuned, heavy hitters, will be returning at the start of this upcoming spring semester. Can't wait to be back with Jack talking all things sports with you guys. But the Eagles could not even execute on a short field gifted to them, gifted to them by the idiocy of Jonathan Gannon that I had to watch up close and personal for a whole year last year that cost basically a Super Bowl. Took the Super Bowl away from us. And when it actually goes to our benefit, we can't capitalize because the Eagles are a poorly coached football team. That's the main thing to take away from this game. The Eagles are just a terribly coached football team. Nick Sirianni is an imbecile. Brian Johnson is inadequate. And, uh, oh, Sean Desai. I was like, who am I forgetting? Sean Desai isn't even relevant anymore. Matt Patricia is even worse at defensive play calling, by the way. Uh, Matt Patricia. Let's talk about that defense. How well did the defense do? Just getting gashed all over the field. I talked about it briefly. Let's focus in on it. The defense just letting the Arizona Cardinals tear the Eagles apart. They ran it well. James Conner looked like the best running back in the league. He caught a touchdown. He ran a touchdown. He was incredible all game long. Uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. I actually played him in my fantasy championship. Got me a win, by the way, because he was so fantastic. Uh, I believe he threw for three touchdowns, I want to say. But it might have been four. It, It was either three or four. I'll pull that up in just one second. Kyler Murray dazzled the Eagles all game long. Uh... You know, utilizing his legs when he needed to, but mostly just being able to sit in the pocket and throw the ball to these subpar receivers. And I understand the tight end they have as an emerging star, but most of that receiving core is not good. And Kyler Murray was just able to torch the Eagles all game long. The defense couldn't stand up to anything. So I was frustrated all game long with the secondary, which, by the way, got Avante Maddox back. I've been saying Maddox is the missing piece of this secondary all game long, and I understand also Darius Slay wasn't out there. We haven't seen this secondary fully healthy this year. Maybe it'll all click once that's true. I I don't see any reason to believe that because the individual pieces are not performing. Namely, James Bradbury, who has just been a disaster this season. James Bradbury looks lost and slow and old, and like he doesn't much want to be there anymore on the football field. And I can't believe that the Eagles prioritized him over C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who before he got hurt was looking like he had much more promise 
The big problem with the Eagles is they don't take the football away, aside from the Sidney Brown touchdown uh, pick six that they had, which was just a ball that Murray just threw up in the air. I believe it was a third down at that point. Murray just threw the ball up, and Sidney Brown was waiting on it, got the huge electric return. But the Eagles typically are not turning the ball over whatsoever. And it's it's extraordinarily confusing. It's extraordinarily frustrating. And part of the reason that they're not turning the ball over is because they they let walk the guy that turned the ball over the most for them. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was tied for the most picks in football last season, and he missed a couple games here and there. C.J. Gardner-Johnson was a ball hawk. They don't have ball hawks right now. The only thing, the only things remotely close to that are, I guess, Brown and Blankenship. Sidney Brown is, you know, prone toward going to the football, and and Reed Blankenship can can show it at times. Uh, he's got a good number of picks both this year and last. He's been a, a playmaker on this defense, but you shouldn't be relying on those two. You should be relying on your top-end talent. Darius Slay, when's the last time he got a pick? James Bradbury, when's the last time he did anything productive? Uh, I believe he has a couple picks this year, but they, they don't seem to be uh, when you need them the most. He seems to be getting beat when you need him to not get beat the most. Namely, uh, the Eagles getting torched on the final drive Arizona had in this game. So up and down, the defense, especially the secondary, was not up to the test. But the defensive line was not immune either. They uh, they couldn't stop Murray. They couldn't stop Connor. They couldn't stop anybody. I believe once uh, on one of our sports updates on the station here, I described it as them not being able to stop even a bloody nose. And I most certainly stand by that description of it. Nothing's changed with this team. In fact, it seems to be getting worse with each passing week, and I think that has to go toward the coaching. So that's the preliminary scouting on how the players performed. Let's dive into that coaching more so because I think that's the deeper-rooted issue with this football team. The coaching of this Eagles football team, 2023-2024 season, is among the worst I've seen in my lifetime, maybe with the exception of Chip Kelly. This, this Nick Sirianni era is absolutely disgraceful. And the problem is his supporting cast this year is much worse than I thought humanly possible after Gannon and uh, Shane Steichen last year. Both of them depart. Now we get Brian Johnson, who I don't even think is calling plays anymore for the offense, and Sean Desai, who was removed. And it turns out Matt Patricia is even worse. So both coordinators essentially have lost their jobs. Both coordinators have lost their jobs before a single season is even out. That's surprising. That's crazy for a team that was just in the Super Bowl last year where you have that level of talent on a team to screw it up that badly on both sides of the football. That is almost impossible to happen. It's shocking, and every single Eagles fan should stop and think about that, that that was able to happen with this football team. That's remarkable. That is absolutely, uh, I'm not going to say it's unheard of. I'm sure that other, other franchises have fired their coordinators or at least changed coordinator, uh, not changed the coordinators, but changed the play callers on both sides of the ball. I'm not sure it's this soon after a Super Bowl, though. I mean, it was what, 15 weeks and both were both were changed out. That's unbelievable. And you best believe there better be firings and rehirings this this offseason. If that's not the head coach, it better be the coordinators because they've shown that they're absolutely incompetent. I'd love to bring Shane Steichen back. Uh, I'm sorry, not Shane Steichen. He's still well on his way down in Indianapolis. He's doing a great job. Uh, I'd love to bring Frank Reich back after he was relieved of duties in Carolina. By the way, another dysfunctional franchise. You got the owner of the team throwing drinks at fans. Like, it's a mess down in Carolina as well, down in Charlotte. Beautiful city, by the way. 
but the coaching here in Philadelphia. Let's talk about the head coach for a second. Nick Sirianni, he's always been a wuss. He's always been a weirdo, and I've never liked him. And people around me will tell you that I'm not shy about that opinion. I've never liked Nick Sirianni. I thought the crying was odd in the Super Bowl last year. I thought the flower speech was very weird when he first gave it. I don't like his style. I don't like how soft he is. And I don't like how he does not, and and I know this, he does not uh, make any impact on his players. He does not connect with them like other coaches. Dan Campbell's weird. That's another coach that I think is weird. Like it or not, though, he connects with that team. He's connected with the Lions players since day one. And the Lions have played hard for him every single week for the last two seasons. Starting against the Eagles, by the way, when the Eagles defeated them, ironically, by a score of 35-31. to Same as this week. But Nick Sirianni does not connect with these guys. There is turmoil in that locker room, which I'll get to. And he is not helping the situation. He is incapable because he doesn't know how to connect with guys. He doesn't know how to command a room. He was hired as a good play caller. Even that has shown to be completely false. He's not able to run an offense at all, at all constructively. His offense is terrible. His offense is lifeless. His offense doesn't utilize basic ideas like a check down pass. And it relies too heavily on foreseeable moves such as quarterback sneaks, not sneaks, but design quarterback runs. Uh, He doesn't use his third running back in Boston Scott, who's talented. He doesn't utilize his third receivers enough, like Julio Jones, who, by the way, had two touchdowns this weekend, his second and third as an eagle. Nick Sirianni does not know how to use weapons. It doesn't know how to coach Jalen Hurts to use his weapons. Nick Sirianni might actually be putting these guys in a in a decent situation to to succeed in his offense, and it might be. It's possible that it's the quarterback that is just so inept at finding the players on the field that all of this criticism, not all, but a lot of this criticism at Sirianni might be invalid. I'm trying to do that dance right now. How much of it is the quarterback and how much of it, how much of it is the coach? Because the same combination of two guys was in the Super Bowl last year and they had a 10 point lead at halftime and then they collapsed. A lot of that could have been blamed on, and was blamed by the way, on the old defensive coordinator. Well, he got promoted to a head coach somewhere else, and he just kicked your butt. He just embarrassed you in week 17 of the season when you're supposed to be playing your best football. The Cardinals are. The Eagles are not. And I think that says something. What it probably says is Gannon probably did well with a lot of these pieces uh, that maybe we overestimated. Maybe Jonathan Gannon, and this is just spitballing here, maybe Jonathan Gannon brought the best out of that defense And we don't quite know who we have here. Maybe we misinterpreted these guys. Uh, Maybe they're not quite as talented as we've we've thought. I've I've often said this year that we just don't have the guys, but I thought that's because we lost a couple key pieces. Maybe we just overestimated how good our players were. Some of them I don't think that's true. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, they they were on the Super Bowl winning team. They've shown they can do it. Maybe Darius Slay. Matt Patricia had a falling out with Darius Slay in Detroit. I haven't been very impressed with Darius Slay in past years. The first couple of years he was here, I loved him. I absolutely could not get it up with Darius Slay. Uh, Avante Maddox, he's improved, but, you know, the jury's still out. I'll give him another week or, or two. Really, that's all you have left in the season because after next week, it's going to be playoffs. But uh, there's a lot of pieces on this team that maybe maybe we overestimated. And maybe we underestimated some others. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I don't think I underestimated. I, I always loved him. I wanted to keep him. 
TJ Edwards, I may have underestimated. He's playing well with Chicago right now. Uh, and you can you could go down the list of other players that that the Eagles lost or kept and say, did they make the right personnel decisions? Josh Sweat, uh, you know, he's on a deal here. Uh, a guy like Hargrave, he's off doing okay in San Francisco. A uh, piece of a, of a great defensive line out there. Nolan Smith, he I don't think he's even shown his face this year yet. Jordan Davis has taken a step forward. That's honestly a bright spot. And Jalen Carter looks like a win. But they haven't been the groundbreaking force that we thought they would be. They haven't been cohesive. Uh, so I, I, I think there's a lot of factors going into the woes of both the offense and defense. I think age is playing a factor. I've, I've said that since the beginning. You have aging guys. You have an aging Jason Kelsey, an aging James Bradbury, an aging Fletcher Cox, an aging Brandon Graham, uh, Darius Slay. The list goes on. Even Lane Johnson is getting up there in age. A lot of these guys are older. And quite honestly, I, I think you're just seeing the the decline that old age has on athletes. You say old age, you know, of getting into your 30s and into your mid-30s, what that does to athletes. It's not getting any better, I'll put it that way. It's, their age isn't going to be helping them anytime soon. But the coaching, back where this long-winded rant began, the coaching may be the indicator that, that these guys aren't actually what we thought they were. And instead, maybe Jonathan Gannon was actually, here's a crazy thought that people would never have expected to come from my mouth, pretty good. And maybe it was because of Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen that the Eagles were able to maximize performance last year and get to a Super Bowl appearance and damn near almost win it. Damn near almost won that. But the Eagles, I don't think, should be afraid to make moves in this offseason with their coaching staff. And I think that goes for everybody. I think everyone has to be on the table to be moved. I think most definitely Desai and Brian Johnson probably should be fired, likely should be fired, almost certainly should be fired. And I I, I would fire Nick Sirianni. I don't think it's going to happen because the team doesn't seem in any hurry to get rid of him. A lot of times you can just – you can feel it with Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Roseman. They don't feel keen to get rid of Sirianni, uh, just one year removed from a Super Bowl appearance. Keep in mind, this is a crew that got rid of Doug Peterson – in my opinion, a superior coach, three years after a Super Bowl win. And this is one year after a Super Bowl loss and argue, arguable collapse, you know, up by 10 and falling apart and just never looking the same since the first half of that Kansas City Chiefs game. Really since that Jalen Hurts fumble. Talk about a play that turned a, a franchise around in the wrong direction. Keep in mind, this was a team that the NFC Championship game, the score was 31-7. Ooh, shut up, uh, 40 Winers fans. That was 31-7. We would have beat your butts, no matter who was throwing the ball for you guys. Uh, beat the New York football Giants 38-7 in a playoff game. And they had routes of teams, of Tennessee, of New York, of other teams last year, just absolutely embarrassed them. This team hasn't embarrassed anyone this year. They have not embarrassed anyone. You can go down the list. Tight game against New England. Tight-ish game against Minnesota. Um, you know, two tight games against Washington and losses to New York, losses to uh, Arizona, tight game against the Giants, the three losses in a row, obviously. The list goes on. The Eagles haven't bludgeoned anyone. The closest they got to that are the Tampa Bay and Miami games, where I believe each time they won by 14. Yeah, 31-17 and 25-11. Uh, I believe that's their widest margin of victory at all this season is 14 points. And that's not a that's not a beat down like you would expect in the NFL. That's a couple plays away from being a tie football game. Or or God forbid, even worse. 
So I think this is a completely different football team. I think a lot of that rests on the coaching, the play calling especially, but also the ability to connect with these guys. Uh, these coaches have not connected with these Eagles whatsoever, and we're going we're gonna to get into a really, really interesting portion of this season here. It's, it's this week right here. How does the team bond? A.J. Brown brought all the guys to a, one of those escape rooms. We'll see if that team bonding, team building has any translation to the field. You know, me and Jack on heavy hitters, we discuss whether culture really has that much of an effect on on play. And I'm willing to admit it has some. I don't think it's as important as everyone makes it out to be whatsoever. But, you know, if the culture and the and the kind of camaraderie of these guys can can get this team moving in the right direction, I'm all for that. You see, I'm I'm tired of seeing Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown yelling at each other on the sidelines. Uh, same with Devontae Smith, who, by the way, Devontae Smith is being so underutilized, and he's such a talent, and I so appreciate him. And he seems like the good locker room guy as opposed to A.J. Brown. He throws temper tantrums if he doesn't get the ball in his hands enough. How about Devontae Smith? I mean, there's some weeks you're like, where, where is he? Why aren't they throwing him the ball? And he's wide open on so many plays. And, uh, and I haven't heard him complaining like A.J. Brown has been. You have good locker room guys, Brandon Graham, Jason Kelsey, like these guys that have been here forever that uh, that are known as really good presences in the locker room. That that offensive line seems tight, making their Christmas albums over the summer and all that. So if they could channel more of that en- energy and, and be calmer throughout the throughout the course of the game and let their talent take over some games, I think that could have some sort of effect and lift this team up a little bit heading into this final regular season game against the Giants and then the playoff game against the winner of the NFC South because your Philadelphia Eagles are no longer leading the NFC East. A Dallas win and the obvious Eagles loss has knocked them out of that. By the way, that Dallas win was crazy. And I think the lineman was trying to go up to the ref and report. I'm not sure what exactly happened, but it looked like the ref turned and walked away from him. That was a crazy sequence. I know everyone saw that on Saturday night. And uh, yeah, believe me, I was uh, always excited to see Dallas potentially lose. But then I wasn't too mad. I wasn't too mad because the Eagles, if which Detroit did lose, if, the, if Detroit lost and the Eagles won their final two games, they would get the number two seed. And if San Fran stumbles against L.A. this upcoming week, which they won't because L.A. is benching key offensive starters, Kyron Williams and Cooper Cup, Uh, The Eagles were still in play for the number one seed, but an Eagles loss eliminated all of that talk, and they now sit as the five seed, a wild card team. They would not host a playoff game unless both the six, uh, I mean, either the six or seven, as well as the Eagles advance to, I believe, just the NFC championship would be the possibility. Well, let's, let's do the math on that real quick. So say the five beats four, uh, seven beats six, uh, I'm sorry, seven beats two and six beats three. So then you have one, five, six, and seven. Okay. So if both of the lower wild cards win their games, the Eagles could host a second round playoff game. And then if somehow the Niners were beaten at that point, the Eagles could host the NFC championship. I'm not even concerned about that. I think this team uh, will struggle against the NFC South opponent that they face in that first game on wild card weekend. I think it would be lucky. I wouldn't say lucky. I I think it'll be a struggle to advance to even the divisional round. And I think it would be lucky to advance past that. I think that's where we have to be at with this team. Uh, So while we're looking ahead, we don't want to skip ahead of of this upcoming week. We got to 
look ahead to the the impacts of this week. Got a game against the Giants here, so let's let's move on to that, and then we'll get some playoff talk here. Don't want to put the cart before the horse. Still got to play one more game and head into the postseason. So Eagles Giants this Sunday. Eagles taking on the G Men at four twenty five up at MetLife Stadium. Eagles beat the Giants narrowly in Philadelphia just a couple weeks ago on Christmas Day. Eagles looking to grab one more win before the postseason begins. I believe they can't fall further. Yeah, they most definitely cannot fall further than the five seed. With an Eagles win and a Cowboys loss, the Eagles would overtake the boys for first place in the NFC East. So the Eagles could finish as high as the two seed. They won't. Dallas will beat the Washington Commanders. And the Lions have a game against the Vikings. Um, Just looking around at the other teams playing this week real quick before we dive into the Eagles-Giants. Playoff implications, like I said, that Lions-Vikings game. Lions playing for seeding with Dallas. And the Vikings playing to get into that final wild card. I believe the Rams are locked into the sixth seed right behind the Eagles, and I believe it's the Vikings, Seahawks, Packers, and potentially the Saints. That's a long story. Battling for the seven seed in the NFC. The Eagles will play the winner of the NFC South, which currently is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with a win against the lowly 2-14 and 14 Carolina Panthers this week. They'll lock up that division and set a rematch for the 2021 wildcard round between the Eagles and Bucks. Uh, keep in mind the Eagles beat the Buccaneers earlier this season, 25-11. But if the Buccaneers were to lose to the Panthers, giving them their third win, it would open the door for either the Falcons or Saints with a win to claim the NFC South title. And those two teams play each other. So in all likelihood, there will be a winner between the two of them. And if the Buccaneers win and the Saints win and a couple of other things happen, the Saints could grab that final wild card spot. So the Eagles matchup in the in the wild card round looks to be in all likelihood an NFC South team and most likely the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I almost said of Tampa Bay. That is repetitive. But what is also, what is also repetitive is the Eagles playing the Giants. They're already locked into a playoff spot, no lower than the fifth seed. So it's hard to. Hype up the importance of such a game, especially when I forecast the Cowboys to solidify the Eagles in that number five spot by winning against the Commanders. But Cowboys and Eagles play at the same time during that late window, so you got to play the game just in case we've seen similar situations uh, play out between these two teams where one's trying to grab that division crown and the other's just hoping for a loss. So what are we looking at this week? Well, I expect the Eagles to win. I expect them to right the ship so to speak i think it'll i think it'll be more convincing i don't think it'll be as convincing as it should be eagles just played the giants two weeks ago eagles have had all this team building time that we're talking about and and you know a lot of conversations internally they got embarrassed by the cardinals uh they've been getting embarrassed for it seems like a month and a half straight so look for the eagles to have one final high note heading into the playoffs I think they beat the Giants by 10, which against a divisional opponent, nothing nothing to be totally down about. Uh, you should win this game, though, by 20 or more, in my humble opinion. Oh, boy. Uh, and then after that, 
It's on to the playoffs. I'll do a, a total playoff preview on next week's show. Stay tuned. Same time, same place. 10 a.m. Uh, on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. But for this week, uh, the Eagles would then go to play, in my mind, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I think they match up well against. Buccaneers are week to week. They looked great against the Packers. They came out flat this week. So it's really hard to tell. They have a couple good receivers that are also aging in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Baker Mayfield, I don't think is anything too flashy, but he's had a bit of a career resurgence. Uh, and I'm not too scared of their defense, a defense that even the Eagles played decent against earlier this season, and an offense which the Eagles held to 11 points. So the Eagles, looking ahead, they're going to go back to the playoffs for three consecutive seasons. What does this mean for the franchise? Uh, because you can't shake your head at three straight playoff appearances. I don't even count 2021, though. First uh, edition of the seventh seed, and and the Eagles did not belong on the same field as Tampa that year. They were down at one point in that game, 31 to nothing. They made it 31 to 16 or 15. Uh, they scored two touchdowns and just did not look like they belonged anywhere near Tom Brady and those Buccaneers. I, I am just... Uh, very frustrated with Nick Sirianni and this crew. I mean, you could even discount 2022 a little bit by saying it was the easiest road to a Super Bowl I've ever seen, and I think a lot of people have ever seen for a team getting two cupcakes in the Giants and the Brock Purdy-less San Francisco 49ers after a quarter of play in the NFC Championship, and they had a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl and lost it. I don't think this team is built to win in the playoffs. I don't think this team is coached to win in the playoffs. I think they're going to struggle this year in January. So first game of 2024 on Sunday. It's a table setter for the playoffs. And uh, by the way, Happy New Year. Can't believe it's 2024 already. That is insane. But the Eagles looking to grab, again, you got to play this game. You got to play hard, but not too hard. You don't want anyone getting injured. Uh, but you have to play. You have to try and win on the off chance Dallas loses. Grab that division crown and host a playoff game. But I'm more so looking, I'm not even looking at the Dallas game. I'm looking at the Eagles. Can they shore up the leaks? Can they? Can Jalen Hurts start checking the ball down to his receivers that are coming over the middle, uh, maybe five yards down the uh, off the line of scrimmage rather than 25 yards that, he's, that he always seems to be looking for? And can they rely on their running backs to do the running rather than their Jalen Hurts? Uh, I, I think that would go, those two things would go a long way in making the offense function more fluently. I think the blocking, I, I think Jalen Hurts getting the ball out quick will alleviate the pressure on the offensive line. And defensively, I, I think you have to have Maddox get another week under his belt back. That's a huge addition. You have to hopefully, hopefully Slay gets healthy. I don't think he's going to be healthy for this week. Uh, you have to have these guys start to get and stay healthy if you want any any shot of winning here in January. It's going to be an interesting, an interesting postseason here in Philadelphia. Luckily, we have some other teams to pay attention to once they, or if they, I guess. I guess I'll stay positive if they flounder and if they're bounced in one of these earlier rounds. But uh, I, I think they can win that first round of the playoffs. I'll, I'll just give my brief thoughts before I totally dive into this next week. I think they can win that first game. I, I think they would be hard-pressed to advance uh, further than the divisional round. I think I already said that, actually. But that, that's just, you look at the other teams that they could be facing. Dallas. Dallas shellacked them last time, and the Eagles scraped by 
uh, much earlier in the season in Philadelphia. This game would be in Dallas. Uh, Detroit, Detroit scares me, uh, not as much as some other teams. I think it could be an interesting game with Detroit. I don't think their defense is very good. Uh, San Francisco, I think San Francisco would have their way with the Eagles. I I think that even the Rams could beat the Eagles. That would be an interesting game because it would be in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, the Rams have had a good stretch here. Have we seen the best of the Rams? I don't know. Uh, the Rams are a very interesting team, high powered offense, very young defense. I like what I'm seeing out of Los Angeles. I think they did a good job of bridging the gap after these, after the Super Bowl and with none of these high-profile draft picks because they basically sold their soul for that one championship. I like what the Rams are doing. Puka Nakua was a huge find. Kyron Williams is incredible. And Matt Stafford is just such a great quarterback. Never gets enough love. Love Matthew Stafford. Uh, and whoever that seven seed is, you know, somehow if they made it, all the way right alongside with the Eagles to the NFC Championship game. Uh, I think that that could be uh, an Eagles win. But we got to there, – there's so many other possibilities. There's so many ways this could go. I, I think the Eagles stand a great shot against any of these NFC South teams. It's likely that they play. Um, I talked about the Buccaneers a little bit. The Saints, the offense is stagnant. They don't scare me. I think the Rams showed you that their defense can be picked apart as well. Uh and the Falcons, I've just been telling people, are awful all season. They don't have a real quarterback. They don't have the best playmakers. Uh, their defense has a couple okay pieces. I think it's exploitable, uh, especially more so up front running against them. Not impressed by any of them. They're the, there's a reason they're the worst division in football this season. And I think the Eagles uh, should advance to the divisional round. But they got to show me something against New York here. They have to go out and win this game convincingly against New York. Nothing else matters if they don't do that. Uh, well, I mean, it does. The, <laughs> that was a completely false statement. I got carried away. I'm sorry. Uh, nothing else matters in my mind uh, if they don't do that. Going into the playoffs, it would just be such a hopeless feeling here around Philadelphia, around the team. Just absolutely depressing if they don't show anything, uh, anything of value against the New York football giants. Because, I mean, you have to, you have to, Think about, put yourself in that position. That would mean they've lost five of their last six. Uh, three of those coming against the Giants, Seahawks, and Cardinals. Three subpar teams, only one of them even in contention for a wild card spot right now. And their only other win would have been a very narrow defeat of the Giants, who, who you also lost to. So I don't think there's any way that I can feel good about this team. I think there is... Actually, a way I could feel even worse, and that's by them losing to the Giants. I think if they win, uh, I think if they win convincingly against New York, I would feel better, but not good. Uh, I think would be what you have to. You more so have to look for what made them win. Uh, what made them win by that margin? If it's more of the same, if it's just Jalen Hurts using his legs, if it's just one receiver that goes off and has a good day against a terrible team, I'm not impressed. I want to see, can they turn the ball over? Can they utilize multiple, and I mean that on defense, by the way. I know I was talking about offense before this offense turns the ball over too much as it is. But can the can the offense utilize all of its weapons? Can it stop relying so much on Jalen Hurts in the run game? And can the defense get some turnovers, put the offense in a good situation? And can the offense capitalize on mistakes by the other team? They should have scored a touchdown or at least run the clock out on that, uh, on that onside's kick drive last week. It didn't happen. You have to clean up those facets of the game. This week, uh, I need to see better play calling. You know, 
certain things like that. And I need to see better decision-making by Jalen Hurts. Uh, if I'm going to feel any sort of confidence going into the playoffs, it's good that we're talking about going into the playoffs. And it's good that this team built up such a cushion that they could be so terrible in the last month plus of the season and still, you know, at the worst, be the five seed, which we have seen five seeds go on runs. It can happen. Um, but I, I'm just uh, just very nervous, I think, is the feeling here in Philadelphia. Uh, and I think rightfully so, because the team hasn't showed us. You know, they talked so much of the early part of the season was spent, well, we're not even playing up to our full potential, and 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 look how we're still winning games. It's like, all right, but you never did. Or was that your full potential? And now we're seeing you play under your potential. And that was the best you could do. And it wasn't even that good. So that's what worries me about this team. That's why I'm nervous going into the playoffs. Quarterback, the coaching, it's pro- it's problematic. The secondary is a gaping hole. Uh, and the defensive line has been underwhelming. I think both the lines have actually been underwhelming this year. I don't think they've been bad. I think the offensive line has been really good. Not its typical level of greatness. And I think the defensive line has been okay. Uh, bad at times, good at other times. I, I think it's hovered around that okay mark, dipping into the below average uh, tier for a lot of the season. It's been hovering there. So we're going to move on. I think I've exhausted the Eagles as much as I uh, possibly could have. But we got some other teams to talk about. Flyers, Phillies, let's get into it. Remember, you're listening to Backlash. I'm Mitchell Smedley. Go Birds, as usually, before I, before I move on here. But uh, I do think it's time that we explored some other topics. By the way, this just flashed across my screen while we're talking about other things to talk about. Um, The Pro Bowl rosters were just announced, and apparently Brock Purdy was named the quarterback for the NFC. That's just laughable. It is just laughable. He's not that good. And quite honestly, I saw that McCaffrey has some injury concerns and I think some other pieces on that football team. So we're going to see what he's made of this playoffs. I think this is where I'm going to make my final decision on Brock Purdy, if he can carry them through and win a Super Bowl, you know? Look, I'll, I'll bite the bullet and say that I don't think he's the most talented in, in the league, but I, I think he's good, uh, above average at least right now. He just seems so average to me at best. We'll see. If he falls apart in the postseason, you know, you got to gotta hand people uh, their flowers when they're right, and I think I'd really be trending toward right in that situation. So we'll see where Brock Purdy uh, what happens to him? Let's talk about uh, the Flyers. I'm wearing my my nice Flyers uh, hoodie right now. I'm in the spirit. I've been watching more uh, more hockey over this winter break. By the way, I hope your winter break is going well. I I hope you've had a tremendous holiday season, and I hope your start to 2024 has been uh, as as good as it can be. Uh, just a few days old here, so hope that you're enjoying the start of the new year, uh, and I and I hope that. You have also had some some free time to watch these exciting flyers. I got in from seeing a friend uh, about a week ago. Flyers were on. I come in, and they put up three goals in two minutes right after I walked in the door. That was very exciting. Uh, I believe that game was the Canucks game. The Flyers with a nice win over Vancouver. Uh, they would uh, they lost to Edmonton Tuesday night, and. Uh, you know they've they've suffered a couple other losses. Uh, Seattle they lost to on their on their West Coast trip here. Flyers haven't played at home in uh, I believe two weeks at this point since before the Detroit game. So you know you can you can understand a little bit the the losses that are starting to accrue. But they, these West Coast trips never treat them nicely. 
it's always been a staple of the uh, of the Flyers to struggle through those. So I'm not too worried about it. They're still fourth in the Metropolitan Division, by the way. The top three automatically make the playoffs, and then the next two wild cards from the from the two conferences. And the Eastern Conference is the Metropolitan and the Atlantic Divisions, if you're not familiar with hockey. Uh, but the Flyers currently sit as the four seed, and these teams in the middle of the Metropolitan Division are bunched up. The standings are so tight. The Flyers, with a couple of good weeks, can easily climb into the playoff picture, further into the playoff picture, I guess, and uh, solidify themselves as a as a good young hockey team. I, I think this this Flyers crew is so exciting. You watch them; they have so much energy, uh, and I think that starts with their their goaltender Sam Arison, who is you know Carter Hart is officially listed as the starter. Let's face it, uh, Arison's replaced him. Uh, as a starter, they're, they're a good tandem, I think. But I, I think it, it starts with him. It starts with uh, some of these young forwards that they've got uh, going after the puck, and uh, and their defensemen as well are are much better than I've than I've watched in past years. It's it's definitely a step up. And the the positive of this is so many of these guys are young, you know, Brink and and Tippett and and your your quote unquote veteran core isn't even that old, you know, with with guys like uh, Lawton, Konechny. And, and a few others that, that you know, uh, even Morgan Frost, who he's kind of young adjacent, I'd say, and uh, looked like he was a bust. And he's a, he's had a bit of a, a resurgence. He had a funky goal in that that uh, Tennessee game when they played the – why can't I think of the name? The Predators, the Nashville Predators. I don't know why I said Tennessee. I'm thinking of – I'm still in football mode, I guess. But uh, he had a funky goal that it just bounced off like the – the back of the boards and then boom into the net it was a really odd thing but he's he's been scoring a little more lately so good for him a lot of these young players taking real steps forward for this hockey team very exciting and and very good to just have you know that that winter sport that you can you can count i i count the sixers out each and every year and i don't even watch them during the regular season uh very much uh under a microscope because it's the same thing every year they're they're going to make it to the second round and lose they might not even make the second round this year. Uh, so it's, it's it's good to have that exciting winter team here in Philadelphia because we have to bridge the gap between Eagles and Phillies somehow. And the Flyers are providing a fantastic uh, way of doing that. want to remind you, I want to take a quick second to tell you, if you don't know, and remind you if you do know, that you can find uh, a bunch of KUR programming on Spotify and Mixcloud if you've missed a show or want to go back and listen, uh, your music-based programming can be found on Mixcloud uh, by searching KU Radio. And uh, Kutztown University Radio on Spotify has a bunch of your talk programming. So if you miss, you know, an episode of something like, I don't know, oh, if I had to think of one off the top of my head, like Backlash, right? You could go back and listen to the past episodes. Um, you could listen to some heavy hitters, some of our other talk program that programming that we do. Uh, you can find that just by searching Kutztown University Radio on either one of those glorious, glorious platforms, Spotify and Mixcloud. Uh, we would love to have you join us over there as well. Or, or instead of having to go back, you could tune in 10 a.m. every Thursday uh, during this break, at least. We'll figure out how it's going to look uh, during the semester and hear me and my my annoying rants about the Eagles and Flyers and Phillies and whatever else I feel pissed off about that given day. Something else I was pissed off about. Let's transition out of hockey a little bit. Uh, the 
Philadelphia Phillies missed out on a uh, potential, potential um, really good player. Well, no, he's going to be a really good player, but they were never the favorites to land this guy. But the, the Phillies did make uh, Yoshida Yamamoto a uh, $300 million offer. He decided to go to the Dodgers uh, with a $325 million deal. So we don't know the specifics of what the Philly deal looked like, but we do know uh, that he wanted to be with other Japanese players. Obviously, Shohei Otani's on the Dodgers, and they're assembling nothing short of a super team. They're not going to get the benefits of the pitching from uh, Otani this year because of his Tommy John surgery. But uh, in a couple or in a year or two, that that rotation could really round into form headed by those Japanese studs that they have out west. So fear the Dodgers. I feel like that's typical, but even more so. You might want to might want to fear the Dodgers even a little more. They've added another great piece. Uh the Braves added Chris Sale. Um it's an okay move. I don't I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's okay. And the Phillies are yet to do anything besides re-signing Aaron Nola, which I in my opinion doesn't even really count. It's good. It's fine. Doesn't even really count. I feel confident that the Phillies will add another top-end arm to this rotation, though, really round out the the rotation and, and make it something looking along the lines of Wheeler, Nola. I think it'll be Blake Snell. I think they really could go out and get Blake Snell. I think his market is is continuing to tank with each week that goes by, and he's not drawing attention. I don't think the market's there for him. I think it could look something shorter term than the seven years he was hoping for. I think uh, he was looking for something like the Aaron Nola deal. I think it could be more so of a, a three-year deal uh, that would suit teams much better. Three years, maybe $75 million. Uh, something shorter term, still giving him a high amount of, of uh, dollars per year. I think that could work well for both sides, and I think the Phillies should totally be in on something like that for an aging Blake Snell. I think that would round out their rotation really well, and with a lineup that's pretty much set going into the next multiple seasons, uh, I think pitching is really where you have to look and start spending the money to to solidify. A, I, I think a bullpen arm should also definitely be in the in the discussion. I've talked about it at, at nausea over the past month because nothing's been happening. Thank you, Phillies. But a, an arm like a Josh Hader should be something that they're looking at, and I think it would be a a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake not to add something of a something of a Josh Hader esque. Really just a, a flamethrower in the back end of the of the bullpen. Something else, Phillies, I wanted to bring up is the Phillies video yearbook was released. For those that don't know, it's kind of like a, a little documentary about the team each and every year that they that the Phillies put out. It's it's really cool. This year's actually had me underwhelmed. I, I really didn't feel captured by this video yearbook like I have by others. And and it's a shame because this was one of the most emotional seasons I've ever seen from a Phillies team. I, I think the most captivating part actually was the end after they showed the losses to the Di- to the Diamondbacks. And I don't know, it just felt flat. Like they they kind of skimmed over the Trey Turner uh, standing ovation. Like they showed it, but they didn't really go in depth. Uh, they, they didn't really bolster that by displaying just how putrid suffering through the Trey Turner of the first two-thirds of the season was. I really felt like there were a lot of missed opportunities. The Some of the heroics of Harper and, and Turner down the stretch and other guys down the stretch, I feel like they missed out on. 
just some a lot of the hardships in the in the early to middle part of the season. I feel like even the even the cool moments like the Schwarber walk off home run or or this that and the other thing. The the, the Pache go ahead home run against the Marlins was incredibly fast. It like flashed on screen and then it was over. I, I just feel like that was so odd. And for a year where the fans got so involved with the team to skip over things like that so briefly was uh was a questionable decision uh to say the least i was i was kind of kind of annoyed kind of saddened i guess by the by the phillies 2023 video yearbook but i don't know maybe i'm just a little too picky but that that was something that i was uh kind of scratching my head on i i as soon as it came out i believe this was oh man i forget the day less than a week ago i know that but uh i think it was just a day or two before new year's when it came out, I was so excited to watch it, and you know, I, I threw it on, and it just—it's—it spent so much time in spring training. It, it took forever to even get to the start of the season. I was like, "What are we doing here?" So that—that that was something that I thought was poorly done by the Phillies, and I, I hope that that is where the the poor doings of the team start and end here in this in this offseason. I need to see some moves start flying in uh, relatively quickly here. I'd like the Phillies to be the next ones to set the market rather than wait for wait for other teams to do so because teams are making moves and the market, I think, has been set a fair deal. I think Snell is there for the taking by now and I think Hayter is there as well. A couple other smaller moves in the rest of baseball, but the Phillies still quiet to this point. So once again, an Eagles-dominated show. Next week will be as well, most definitely. Uh, you would have to figure with the playoffs. The playoffs? You can't talk about playoffs. We got to focus on winning a game first. That's how I feel. That's how I feel, Coach. We can't win a game, definitely not convincingly, against uh, terrible competition. How are we going to go toe-to-toe with some of the league's best? It's a it's a gaping question, and it's been occupying a hell of a lot of my, of my thoughts here. But rest assured, even if they do lose first round of the playoffs, not only will you still have me to uh, to listen to each and every Thursday at 10 here on the radio voice of Kutztown University KUR, but, you know, we have those exciting flyers. We will hopefully have some Phillies moves to break down in the coming weeks. One can only hope, I guess. But first things first, Eagles need to go out, take care of business, give us some confidence on Sunday against the New York Giants. It's always a good day to beat the Giants, right? It's always a good day to keep that tradition going. Um, you know, the Eagles have won the last four meetings against the team. Uh, they they lost once in 2021. And, and other than that, it's been a decade of domination against the G-Men. So hopefully that can continue. Uh, the Flyers, they got to stop the skid a little bit. You know, they're a young team. They're going to have these ebbs and flows. Let's get it back to flow. And rather than ebbing, I've had enough ebbing for once in my life. You know, I feel like this... This uh, whole last year plus of Philly sports has been just ebb after ebb, 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 ebb. Starting with the World Series loss and, and continuing on through the Super Bowl, the uh, the heartbreaking Sixers just quit in the second round, second round, last year. Surprise, surprise. And uh, it's continued. You know, you had the NLCS. You had really the the last month and a half of Eagles play. Let's let's be a bright spot, Flyers. Let's actually give the, the city something to rally around and take pride in. But until next week, until the 
the playoff previewing next week. I can't believe I'm saying that after this last month or so of Eagles football. But um, until then, I'm Mitchell Smedley. This is Backlash here on KUR. See you here, same time, same place, next week.